0: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Ryan. He has a praxia. Let's talk about it. Um, I am... Hella excited for this recording for one big reason, which is we're about to learn about some shit that we've never heard of before. I don't know, I don't know a fucking thing. About apraxia? Yeah, I know the first three lines of what Wikipedia says, and that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a goddamn thing, Ryan. Uh, you're you're calling in from Lond- London, London, L- London yeah. Ontario, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, you are Oi! you have you have or ha- had apraxia?
1: Um, I still technically have it. Um, there's no cure for it, but we can get to a point where we can not show much symptoms. Okay. So what? I still have it, but I can overgrow it. What uh, is it?
3: Okay. Yeah, what the fuck is apraxia?
1: <laughs> so there's two different types. There's uh, adult onset, which can be caused by any brain damage. But I have the childhood um, apraxia of speech, which um, it's the transmission of um, words, or messages from the brain to mouth kind of gets mixed up. So um, I, at times, I know what I want to say, but I can't physically get it out, um, and that kind of affects my speech and how people understand me.
3: Jesus Christ, that sounds like the most frustrating fucking thing. Oh fuck yeah! I have ever heard. Is it in my getting, entire
1: life? Is it, it getting things
2: out, or is it getting the right thing out? Like, do you do you say dip?
1: It's both. Okay. So I have trouble getting stuff out, and when I have the chance to get it out, I fumble my words or, like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, um, I, think, I think
0: I think think I I have that. You know, I, I usually think of ideas <laughs> in my head, and, like, I have it. It's very clearly organized in my head, but then yeah. I try to say it, and then it never yeah. makes sense. Brian, you're apraxia-adjacent. It <laughs> we'll call, we'll call you
1: also me. affects my writing, too. Like, I have trouble writing emails or stuff down. Just right. it doesn't oh. make sense. That's so interesting. It, it it kind of so, reminds
2: me of um it kind of reminds me of um of Brandon, after Brandon Brandon had a stroke, um a friend of yeah, ours yeah. Uh, who passed away, he had a stroke and there was a, you know, he had a lot of difficulty he had a lot of difficulty just explaining yeah. himself and 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 the doctors it said very it sounded very similar to like your to your explanation of apraxia. You know, he he yeah. knows what he wants to say, he just can't
1: Say Strokes it. is one of the things that can cause apraxia in adults.
2: Oh, okay, right. It, yeah, I have it up
3: right here. It may result from a stroke, head injury, tumor, or other illness affecting the brain. Yeah, uh, that's acquired apraxia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the and child- that can
1: be spontaneously um, cured in some cases.
3: Oh wow. Ooh. Okay. So so what what sets acquired. Uh, apart from from your situation where you have childhood yeah. ap- a- so apraxia. I was
1: born with it whereas the acquired is um, like you said can be um, brain tumor stroke um, brain injury and they people who have acquired wouldn 't have it before um, to my knowledge at least
3: right sure did, do, do they know how you how you, like why you, like did you did you suffer um some like you know, did your did your mom while you were in the womb, like, walk into a wall with her pregnant belly? And, you know, like, did your head get knocked while you were in the womb? Or or is this something that they're like, we we really have no idea how... Um,
1: I don't think people actually fully understand how it comes about, but I think it's just the neurons in the brain um, that goes down to the muscles in the mouth to speak it is just off. Mm. So um, they don't really talk very well. That sounds incredibly frustrating, especially as
0: a, a kid, because... So you're what? not affected um, like intellectually, like your intellectual yep. capacity is not affected. So like you're you're like, um, you know, as a kid, I imagine there were times where you were like, oh, I have this thought in my head and I want to convey it yeah. to to somebody. And they just look at you like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. Like, you don't know. The sense. most
1: frustrating thing is I have hard time saying O's. So with my name, starting with R, I've had so many <laughs> different variations of my name, which is kind oh. of frustrating. So.
3: I, guess, I was, I was going to say, why would your parents? But I guess they, they, well, they didn't, didn't know. know. <laughs> yeah, no, they, 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 yeah. I had li- that
1: question, too. <laughs> they they literally that,
3: chose the hardest name. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm going to solve that for you for the rest of your life. Just say, my name is Brian without the B. <laughs> wow brian you
3: You solved it yeah wow
0: (laughs) or legally change your (laughs) name legally (laughs) change your name it's the only way
2: (laughs) to brian without the b that's the whole name
0: but but actually (laughs) but but actually though like as a as a kid do you remember um like when you were really young and you're first trying to like convey thoughts or talk to you know your parents or or anybody else that um you had a thought that you just couldn't get out and they and and for whatever reason they might have thought that like oh, this kid isn't um,
1: intellectually capable? Um, I don't think they had the intellectual aspect of um, struggles. Um, My mom was in the education system, so she kind of knew ways to get me tested. Mm -hmm. Um, So she knew that I had thoughts. I just couldn't get it out. Um, How How
2: early was it? Like how, when, when did that start? When did, um, when, when did your parents start saying, oh, like what's, you know, we should test for something or you're not, or you're, you're just not, you know, you're not, uh, you're not expressing yourself like with your vocabulary.
1: So with um, kids, it's kind of similar to walking. So each kid has like each stage, they should be able to start saying certain things. And I was always like two, three steps behind that. So I was not able to like, speak when I was supposed to speak I couldn't say like two or three words together when I was supposed to so that's when they kind of figured out that I was like something was wrong um and like they had me tested for stuff like autism CF um different stuff like that just to they thought something was wrong and couldn't get find out why and everything got like um tested out so like they couldn't find any answers to why I couldn't speak.
2: Was it? Was it at first? Was it a? Were they? Were they looking for um, something on, on like the speech diagnosis spectrum, or or were they thinking, hey, this is an intellectual disability? It when really it's just a speech thing. But because obviously, you know, we predominantly express ourselves through our speech, and you're having issues with that. They think that there's something intellectually, uh, um, an intellectual. Like I think they're trying to, to test question.
1: everything, um, just to rule out um, things. But it just kind of narrowed down to um, speech problem. Yeah. That there's mm-hmm. something to do with the brain and the transmission of the words to the muscles of the mouth.
3: Does does uh, apraxia? Did, did I pronounce that right? Apraxia. Apraxia. Does, it, does apraxia affect uh, like? cognition or, or intellectual, uh, abilities whatsoever, or is it, Um, it's purely like the, the process of, of like ideas or speech to, from the head to, to be projected? Like, is that?
1: It can, um, in some cases apraxia can collide with, um, autism. I know some people with autism, um, from what I've read have apraxia. Right. Um, so that's why the whole correlation between autism and apraxia, they were trying to find to see if I had it. Um, so it was just kind of tough that like, it was like a bunch of different diagnoses that were being thrown at my parents at one time.
3: Right. Um, How, how old are you now, Ryan?
1: I'm 25 turning 26 in a couple weeks.
3: Um, and how old were you when you got the actual diagnosis of apraxia?
1: Um, I think my parents found out when I was probably five or six, but I personally didn't find out until I was fourteen.
2: Whoa! Oh wow, oh. that's
1: interesting.
3: Oh. Wait, okay, let's unpack that. So, so your parents knew, yeah. But then, so how did you find out when you were fourteen?
1: So, um, I went to middle school. Um, I transitioned to a different school for grade seven and eight because my current school only went up to grade six. So um, for two years, I just felt like I was different. I didn't fit in. Um, I was bawling my eyes out like every couple of weeks, just because mm-hmm. like I didn't fit in. And it got to that point where my parents just decided that um, I had to find out, just because I didn't know what was going on. I just I knew something was wrong, but like I didn't have something to go. To put a word to it or diagnosis to it. Um, Oh man,
3: that's that. That makes my heart just like
1: it was tough. So much. It was tough to go through all that and not be able to know why I'm feeling that way or why I can't get stuff out.
3: Yeah, like I guess. Fuck. That's so. I've never really thought about how. Like just that thought of of a of a you know a a thirteen year old boy um going through his life and without any notion that yeah. that he is different in some way but like obviously like socially can feel it and yeah. and like the frustrations of like not being able to like express yourself fully or the or the way that you think you want to and 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 all of that and but but yet having no clue that there's actually this thing going on yeah. with you like that um jesus christ that must have been
1: it was tough, and I, I, yeah. I have asked my parents why they didn't tell me earlier, and they have said, like, I was very young at that stage, and they, I probably wouldn't have understand it to the point where I probably would have understood it when I was, like, 13, 14 years old. Mm. So they waited until I was old enough to fully comprehend the whole thing. But just the confusion De- of, like, not knowing what was happening and why I was feeling certain ways was just kind of difficult that way.
3: Do you think that they fucked up? Like, like, do you, do you think that they, they, do you think that you would have been better off having known it far earlier?
1: Um, I, for the first probably six months to a year, I was like, I feel like I should have been told when they found out. Um, but as time went on, I kind of understood where they were coming from. Hmm. Um, but there's still some days where I just wish I found out earlier, just so that I like in grade six when I was like twelve, I wish I kind of found out so that I could figure out stuff um, before I went to the new school.
3: Yeah, and had
1: a better understanding. But it all depends on the day. Um,
3: yeah, right. Because I, I I I fee- I get I I get that to a degree. Yeah. Because I I had a very I had a sort of similar experience where where I did I wasn't I wasn't told that cystic fibrosis was a fatal disease so I found yeah. out on my own yeah when I was 10 and like where I sit with that now as a 32 year old man and where and where I've sat with that pretty much since that day that I found out since I was 10 I I look back at that moment and my parents didn't tell me I found out on my own yeah I look back at that as like a major fuck up on the part of my parents yeah now Granted, my parents were doing their best, and they and yeah. and they didn't know. It's like you know that I you know think about how old my parents were when I was when I was ten. They were younger than I am now. Yeah. I, I I don't even know how to fucking take care of my own dog right now. You know, like mm-hmm. so yeah. so you know they they were just trying to figure it out, yeah. and I understand that. And but fuck, it, man, like I, there's just part part of me that's like yeah. that. I still hold on to that. I still hold on to that in some way.
0: It's funny because I think of uh, I think of like the way that I was when I was um, ten years old. And I remember being in, in grade three um, and sitting with like a, a group of my close friends at the time and uh, planning uh, a future of how we were all going to live together when, when we were like 30 yeah. mm-hmm. years old. And and we like uh, drew out this um, roadmap plan uh, in, an, in an Atlas book where we were going to drive down to Florida and we were all going to become marine biologists and work at SeaWorld. And like that was my dream when I was like 10 years old. Yeah. And I think of like how I, you know, conceptualized that in my ten year old brain and thought about what my future would be like when I was thirty years old, and mm-hmm. I created this plan of what I thought would be like my ideal life at the time. Um, but I imagine that if I knew that I had, you know, cystic fibrosis, for example, or mm-hmm. this um, illness or this thing that was going to change the way or influence my life in some way that I would be that I would live with forever. I, I, I just think it would be helpful to understand that and to yeah. have that as a piece of the puzzle, um, mm-hmm. that I'm putting together for my future. Yeah. And I know that 10 year old kids are 10 year old kids, they're kids, yeah. but at the same time, you know, that's the time when you're forming the ideas of who you are and yeah. knowing that you have this thing that doesn't need to define you. But like Jared says, sometimes, you know, CF, CF can define him on his own terms if you just yeah. know that you you live with that that piece of you, then it's easier to bring that forward with you yeah. in your life.
1: I don't I don't think there's a perfect timing to tell your kid that he can't he has trouble talking and put a name to it. Um so my parents were probably doing the best just to find the right time to tell me. Mm-hmm. But there's always times where I'm like, I wish I knew earlier so I could like it Were might you, have helped me now um, to try and figure in out. In hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, know, you can look back and, and say it would have been better to do this or
0: that. But yeah. you, like you said, you do the best uh, with with. And all like I you. had
1: an older brother who was like didn't have trouble talking. He was the extrovert. He always talked. Like it was the just the hard balance of like trying to like have a kid that has trouble talking and having another kid who has no trouble talking at all. So it's just like the mm-hmm. whole balancing act.
2: Were you That's going everything. to? Were you going to the, like speech therapy? Were
1: you do? Yeah. Were you, so I started speech therapy when in probably age
2: five or six. So, so from that point until you found out, <clears throat> you're just going. I go to speech therapy because I have, you yeah. know, I, I just have some difficulty. I just have difficulties yeah. formulating my words. It was really, it was really just when you until you were twelve that your parents were like, "Here's the name
1: yeah.
2: for for what." for what you're dealing with? So
1: speech therapy is one of the therapies that help with apraxia, and they're pretty much the only ones who can diagnose it in people, I believe. Um, So they didn't really find out until, like, later on when I went to speech therapy and whatnot, and they were forced. Because back in the day, like, they didn't start speech therapy, I don't think, until grade 3-ish in schools. Um, So since my mom was in the school system, she kind of pushed – more stuff for me to get diagnosed and get help and everything mm-hmm. like that. Because so, I mean, uh, it's really
2: tough to find out. It's I mean, it's really tough until I mean, so grade three is what, like nine years old, something like that.
1: Nine, eight, ten-ish. eight, eight, yeah. eight or nine.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's I mean, it's pretty fucking tough to to yeah. to see. I mean, I have a I have a nephew who's I have a nephew who is eight, and another nephew who is who is uh 4 and yeah. the one that's 4 you know he's he has he you know he has issues with a lot of with a, like pronouncing a lot of letters yeah. and and I'm always like is that norm is that n- normal yeah. or is it not yeah. I I have no idea I mean he's not my kid so yeah. I'm I'm not around him 24/7 but it's like I'm always like hey I'll, is that is that typical for a four-year-old or is it not? You know, where are they supposed to be at a certain point? And I mean, it's always
1: hard to, because, like, it's always hard to differentiate the different kinds of speech um, issues that there are in the world. Mm. Um, so it's always, like, going back and forth between it could be this, it could be that. Like, there's no clear-cut black and white of speech diagnoses.
3: So so in terms of your apraxia, your yeah. You you have the you have the issue where um it's it's tough for it's sometimes tough for you to get the words out that you you are meaning to communicate. Yeah. But on top of that, there's also the 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 like is speech impediment the the yeah. correct term there. So like So you said I
1: always you, thought that I always just had a speech impediment, that's all that I had until fourteen.
3: Right. Okay. And so the the speech impediment part of it is for you is mostly your ours or are there other parts of that, that, um, like uh, in your, in theater school, we studied, uh, in voice, we would study accents and we would talk about the different shapes and ways that we would move within our own mouth to like, to create an accent and, and where, where we would like place the resonance in our voice to like, you know, to, to achieve that. And so, like, do, is that a sort of thing that you work through in speech therapy? Yeah. Where so, you- the
1: muscle memory of like pronouncing words and trying to repeat things, and then um, halfway through, they would go through back to the beginning and try work on their memory and try and pronounce those words or those sentences again. So I would have to. Um, Go through like three or four times in a session just to form the muscle memory of words and sentences and things like that. Do you
3: Do you have one word that you fucking hate? Like when you see it, you're like, God, this fucking word.
1: Pretty much anything with O's. I imagine <laughs> how um, hard.
0: I imagine how hard it would be to be in speech therapy too, with apraxia yeah. and like say say they're like, okay, you're gonna say Roger Rabbit, and you're like. Yeah. She oh,
1: sells seashells. Hard, and they're like, no, Roger was just Rabbit. I to shell, like, cheese <laughs> were always my worst nightmare with those rhyming <laughs> words. Yeah, right, right. But, like, was it ever hard?
0: Is it hard for you to, like, you know, when you go to say a word, do you just mix it up and replace it with another word? Or is it just, like, hard to, like, actually um, make the sound?
1: Um, I can It's hard to make the sound, and I've kind of got used to, like, if I know I can't say a word just because it's difficult. Um, Because long words for people with apraxia are really hard. Um, I always try and think of a synonym to replace it that uh, means the same thing, just to make it a little bit easier so that people um, can understand me better. Um, So it's just, like, a lot of words, like long words, um, even... Words with lots of O's or difficult letters in them, or sounds, I try and make synonyms towards it so I don't have to say them. So it's just, I avoid words sometimes just to make it easier on myself. To kind of ad-
0: address the the elephant in the room, I guess, um, you know, before we had this conversation, we were Taylor and Jeremy and I were talking about a apraxia and we were like, I wonder if Ryan's going to be able to have a conversation. Like, yeah. obviously you're able to sit here and carry out this conversation for the yeah. last 20 minutes or so now. Um, is that something that you've like a skill to like have longer form conversations with people? Is that a skill that you've kind of had to learn over time? Um, yeah, well, I've had, had to learn over that. progressively getting
1: better? Um, I've had to learn a lot, and like I've had like lots of breakdowns and when I was younger, just because I couldn't talk for long periods of time, and I always gave like short answers and whatnot. Um, so it's a skill that I had to learn and um, progress. Um, School kind of helped with that too with the presentations. I was pretty much forced to like talk in front of it. um twenty thirty kids for like ten fifteen twenty minutes so it, I had to adapt to the world because you can't really live without being able to talk um efficiently Yeah, that's um, like
0: that's um that's like anxiety inducing for anybody to yeah. like stand up and and publicly yeah. speak um mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it would be like. You know, also yeah. trying to make sure that you're articulating yourself and, and yeah. worrying about like the actual ability to like form the words, too.
1: Yeah. And I'll go back to Jira's point where like, uh, I've got told like, asked so many times, like, are you from England? Are you from Ireland? Are you from Australia? Just because of accents. They thought <laughs> I just i am from a different country. It's like sound I, I mean, you,
3: you are from London, Lo- yeah. London, <laughs> yeah. London. That's well, just
1: outside London. So,
3: <laughs> ah, yes. Birmingham. Yes.
1: Yeah. Bur- Bur- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes.
3: Sick Boy podcast. will be right back after this very short break.
0: Think of your favorite one hit wonder
3: or that overpriced toy. Your parents would never let you have or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon If you like this show, you should check out Unlocking Bryson's Brain from CBC Podcasts. 13 year old Bryson is a happy, loving boy, but a mysterious disease means he can't walk, talk, or feed himself. After years without a diagnosis, genetic scientists believe they know what's causing Bryson's illness and think it could be reversed. Join Bryson's family on their search for a medical miracle in Unlocking Bryson's Brain. Find it wherever you get your podcasts
2: it really it really does like to your to your to your uh point there Brian like you know going back going back over playing back over a lot of the conversations that we've had where we have talked to somebody about something that we didn't really know anything about mm-hmm. and really all you have to go on um is uh is oftentimes like you know like i said at the beginning the first few lines of a, of the wikipedia page on what something is yeah. mm-hmm. um it really speaks to how the importance of the individual experience and how yeah. a, a, an, an individual um, experiences that thing and how it can be different. You know, take 10 people with apraxia, take 10 people with depression, take 10 people with cancer, yeah. anything. They, they're all different. They all speak to each other differently. Um, mm-hmm. the, everybody experiences it differently. When we first sat down with Somebody. When we first sat down and, and talked for the first time with somebody with um, who uh, has bipolar disorder, you know, we thought, like, in the hour that we're speaking to that person, are they going to swing wildly, like, yeah. from? And it's like, no, because that's just not how it works. But if you read the Wikipedia page, you're probably going to think that that's how it works. Yeah. And it's like when I read when I read the Wikipedia page, it gives you such a narrow it gives you such a narrow view of what apraxia mm. could be. It makes it seem like mm. we're going to sit down with you and we're going to say, Hey, Ryan, how's it going? And you're going to go, you know, Wednesday, May, yeah. uh, houses. And we're going to go, okay. So and we're going to go, this is
3: really bad for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, Yeah.
2: yeah and we're going to go, Holy shit. How are we supposed to have this conversation? And then you sit down and you, you, you know, you immediately realize, you know, this is something that, is completely different from what from what the from what the yeah. definition of the condition would lead you to believe, and in the individual is so it, the individual experience is of the utmost importance.
3: Although having said that, Tay uh, Ryan, I am curious, like how 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 uh, have you had moments in in your life where where your apraxia has like has come out that intensely, where you're trying to like say a sentence and just just, like, random jargon comes out of your face?
1: Um, Not recently. Um, it hasn't done that to that extent um, probably for several years now. Um, I've learned to adapt pretty fast just if I know, like, within a couple seconds, if I know I can't speak a sentence or parts of a sentence, I'll just figure out a way to change, like, the way I say it.
3: Hmm. interesting Um, yeah we do you guys remember when we had that conversation with um uh with a guest who had um who had a really really intense stutter
2: yeah and he
3: would say the same thing where he was like he he would come up he would come up to these words where he knew he was gonna fucking stutter yeah and right before he gets to that word he like diverts and says a different word and like finds a different path to, to, Mm. to keep on that same sentence, but to communicate it in just a slightly different way. So he doesn't trip up. And uh, I found that to be like, what we are so adaptable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like what a, what a, um, what a, what an impressive skill to have. Like you're, yeah. Although there's this, although there's this, this process in your brain, that's confusing you in, in, in the way that you're trying to communicate your brain's still firing fucking quick enough for you to go, uh, no, 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 no! Change it
2: up now,
1: change and quarters. here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must We're fucking really... kill it at Scrabble. <laughs> I haven't played Scrabble in
2: forever. What really, good, um, <laughs> what really stands out at me, Ryan, when when um, when you when Jer asked that question, was you said it it hasn't done that in a really long time, yeah. or it hasn't done, and I and I find that really, I I love that because because it is. Because you're going, you know, it's not you. Yeah. I mean, it's a part of you, yeah. obviously, but mm. it's but it's not. It's not. I haven't done that in a long time. It's it. It's the yeah. thing mm. that it's the thing that that sticks itself in there to try to fuck up what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah,
2: that hasn't done that in a while. Not I mean, you. It took,
1: it took a long time for the mentality for on my set to like not put it like as who I am. Mm-hmm. It's just the thing that. I struggle with at times, hmm.
0: so there, I trying
1: like not bring myself down um, yeah has
0: there has, there has there been anything that was like the catalyst for that shift in perspective, like anything that kind of like helped you reframe uh, um,
1: a praxy in that way for you? I would probably say probably my second year of college probably um. Just like the whole, like, my first year was just tough. I felt lonely. I felt different, kind of similar to when I, like, eight. 78. Um, I was confused, and then my, I had a good support system around me um, that was there always for help, like, my parents, my brother was always there, my aunt and uncle were always there to help, and, like, they always stopped in um, on their way home or stuff to just see how I was doing, and. Help me study if I was struggling, like just other aspects or like it took probably a couple of years for my to switch to switch finally and kind of change my mentality. But it was a long road just to switch it because if you're in the same mentality for a long period of time, it's kind of hard to switch.
2: Mm-hmm. What did you um what did you study and and how on the on your academic side I mean especially especially yeah. going into um especially going like with high school and with yeah. um university where you're required to give more presentations and speak yeah. publicly more often how did that what did you study and how did your apraxia affect Um your so I
1: study HIM um which is health information management um uh in Kitchener here in Ontario um we It all depends on what um, area that you um, gear towards, but um, the job I'm doing now, um, I don't have to give much presentations or whatnot, but I still have to analyze um, patient records and um, dissect um, stuff in there, so it can get get pretty um, intimidating and um, confusing at times because like doctors don't really say the same thing um, every time. It's just the changing up of everything, but they may seem to say the same thing. Um, so it's just difficult that way just to dissect um, everything that's in their healthcare system because mm. as you guys probably know, it's a complex system to
2: mm. yeah, very much uh, so.
1: go. So some days are more of a struggle than others, um, depending on what kind of um, thing that you get on your desk that day. Mm. Um, um,
3: I, I, I I'm, I'm hoping to take it back a little bit yeah. to, to this moment where you, where you ended up finding out that like yeah. you actually have, uh, a, a, apraxia, um, you know, it, get, receiving that diagnosis obviously was, uh, was a challenge because yeah. there's all the confusion surrounding like you know how how you've gone this far without knowing this thing and, and now all of a sudden you know it and and how does that like alter you but um what what was that shift like after you found out what did it did it start to make things easier in terms of like your social life um, um or or what was that process like
1: it was pretty difficult for the next few months just to understand stuff because i was just going into high school the next september so it was like the whole summer was just a bit of confusing um, time for me just to understand and process everything and to better understand why I was going through these things and um, how I would approach the next school year, and like how like making friends in high school was going to be different, because there's lots of elementaries and middle schools coming together, mm. um, and I wouldn't know half the grade nine. Population, so it's just kind of confusing and tough process just to understand how to go forward. Um, yeah, it was just difficult that way.
3: Um, and when when you when you started to have that shift in in second year university, um, where you know things seemed to start to open up and get a little easier, what was the what? How did that come to be? Was this like a, a process of you just like one day owning what you were, what you were living with and, and not feeling ashamed anymore? Or,
1: um, it's hard to say. It's just like, I just woke up one day and like, um, I had a long tough talk with both my dad and uncle at two different times. And they kind of just said, like, this is what you have, like, kind of hard to digest but you got to keep on moving forward because you kind of have to stop thinking negatively about it and start thinking positively and then stuff will just um, start falling into place. So I kind of just thought about it one night and just woke up the next morning and just kind of started to think more positively about what I have and um, go forward with um, what whatever nature gave me and just kind of went forward with that and like find ways to improve uh, my speech of how I say things um, and recently like I've never really had much problem saying my name anymore to people like most people understand now what it, I'm saying my name is um, so it's just a lot easier now with the positive mindset but I still have tough days where like I start to think negatively and then my girlfriend right. kind of snaps at me kind of, and just kind of says to think more positively about myself. And then I kind of go back to being positive.
3: Did, did you guys, did you guys ever see the, uh, the video of the, of the lady in Hawaii who, who had, had problems with getting her, her name on her, on her, on her legal, like on her ID, um, check this out.
1: For the past 20 years, Janice Lokilani Kiihana Iku
2: Kawakahi Hulihe Ekohona Ele has had to carry two IDs.
3: All right, you can pause it. Dude, how Holy how fuck. how fucked is that name? She I, and she nailed it, too. Yeah, like the reporter was just like,
2: dude, she practiced that so many times before she said that." I mean, it's a little obnoxious. It's a little in my much. opinion. It's, I mean it's a, it's a I mean definitely much. just go by a shorter name. I mean yeah. I, like 1 10 11 Ugh. 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20, 20 21 22 23 I'm just gonna, 24 25 26 27 28 29 30 31 32 33 34. Her first name is 34 letters. I'm just going to play it one more time. Janis look at iku kawakai hulihe e kahona ele.
0: Hey, wait, wait, let's all try to say it first. Ryan, you go first. Oh my no god. No chance. No chance.
1: Not a chance, chance dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Keana Keani Keani ku kauhi hula hika haunail. Keani yeah, ku Yeah, I think I you nailed it. too. I think I you nailed it.
0: Kana huna hai.
2: I do love how it, it's McLovin's uh McLovin's driver's license.
3: <laughs> uh ryan you uh coming back to the conversation there yeah. you you said something uh that uh, i would love to touch on you you mentioned that you have a girlfriend yeah um uh how has uh, how how long have you and your girlfriend been together
1: uh as of two weeks ago five years
3: Holy shit! Ooh. Okay, so, so a long, long, yeah. long relationship. Okay, yeah. I see what's going on. <laughs> um, uh, how has how has your apraxia affected your relationship with your girlfriend?
1: Um, it's kind of put a little strain, um, with the communication aspect, just because like it's tough for me to um, correlate what I want to say sometimes, and sometimes I say stuff that um, I know what I mean, but it may take be taken a different way. Um, so we have had a few. Little disagreements of um, that kind of stuff, but is
3: it like like you come home and you and and you you enter the room and your your intention is to say hello, sweetie, I miss you, I haven't seen you all day, come give me a big kiss, but really when you get home you open the door and you say. Babe, you smell like shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that, yeah, because that would be a, that would pose a problem, I'm sure. Um,
1: <laughs> no, it's just kind of um, some days. It's just like I have trouble speaking or Like I don't communicate effectively mm. to um, the extent that I probably should have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we when we do get in those kind of disagreements or arguments, we kind of separate ourselves a bit just to decompress and de like not be mad anymore. Then we come back and kind of talk um, civilly about what went on and what I meant and how she took it. So it's just like mm. I kind of come back and try and um, talk about what happened and try and find ways to improve um, of our communication. Um,
3: that sounds like a really healthy way of going about it. Is that, that is that something that you've you've learned to implement on your own or is, or is this even, is this even a tactic that you've been taught through, uh, through therapy or through, through your own life to,
0: watch to, like, um,
1: to Phil. Dr. Phil. Which is I oh, do. Fuck, wa- I have it. watched Dr. Phil, but, um, my <laughs> girlfriend's in like a child and youth worker program and she just graduated. Ooh. So she was taught how to, um, have those kind of, um, conversations and ways to deal with, um, kids with, um, Speech and like um, autism hmm. and different things, so she kind of used that to um, help us with the communication a bit. Um,
3: how
2: did you guys meet?
1: Tinder.
3: Hey, nice. So, the old, the old swipe. So I mean, like, that's, did my, you, that's I've I've done that.
2: Did you know anything about her? Her, like, her background and how it would be something useful, like that. That would complement your relationship um, because yeah, I didn't say,
3: did it say in her Tinder bio, like, I mean, it probably uh, did. I, great, great with, no. great with their practice. I, mean, I, like, I know oh, it probably it doesn't, hot.
2: but it just is weird. It, it, it always strikes me as weird and strange isn't there because it's always very, it's always fascinating how it seems like a lot of the people we talk to, um, they, they end up in relationships with people who, who really compliment what, I mean, I guess that makes sense too, because Dude, you're yeah. not going to end up with somebody who doesn't, who, you know, Hopefully who fu- who's, who's just like, here. I don't understand you. Fuck. Yeah. You know? Um,
1: <laughs> I just kind of well, hit the part of gold with her just cause like it, she has like worked with me, um, to improve myself and she kind of found ways that will help me understand better. Um, she kind of Yeah, I know some people, it's kind of, they take the wrong approach with me and just doesn't sit well, but she took the right approach and figured out who I was and she figured, like, understands me better um, to the point where she knows, okay, in this situation, I'll take this approach and in that situation, I'll take a different approach Mm -hmm. just to see if that will help um, me understand better of how it made her feel or other things um, just to improve that kind of stuff.
2: Like it's like when you're young, like when you're younger, you know, just thinking about like relationships in general and when you're younger and you like your, your idea or your criteria for a relationship is just so much different to oh, when yeah. you're, when you're yeah. younger. And then, yeah. and then when you're older, it's like, those are the things that really actually matter. You yeah. know, like how, how you communicate and the, and the way that, the way that you as two puzzle pieces fit together yeah. in men, in like many different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, like that, got her background f- play it, it fits so well with fits so well with something that has been a huge part of your life yeah uh, f- oh, for always and like when we were talking um uh last week and uh we were talking to a young woman with Crohn's and she ended up dating a guy who was in med school in and then he ended up going into GI Medicine, yeah. which I was like, right, of course, of course, that's how that worked out. And those, those like those two biggest parts of their lives yeah. fit together so well. It's just, yeah. it's fascinating.
1: It is, yeah.
3: I fucking sorry, guys. My dog's just like, <laughs>
2: he's just being such a. <laughs> What's up, baby? Right hey, shut
3: it. Shut <laughs> up, bud. Uh, I
2: can't, <laughs> if it helps, if it helps, Jared. I can't hear him at all.
3: Yeah. Uh, no, I know, but he, so what he's doing, he's going, he's doing this, he's going, <sighs> And he's about to fucking let <laughs> he's a he's about out. to let a big bark <laughs> so, yeah he's about to let a big one a bork a big old bork. Um, Ryan, you know this is uh, it, it's it's been really interesting to hear you mm-hmm. hear you um, explain to us the the entire mm-hmm. process uh, that you've been going through, and and obviously like you know the, do do you still do you still go to speech therapy? Like, are you still?
1: Um, I haven't been to speech therapy since probably grade like six or seven ish.
3: Oh fuck! Whoa, okay. um, but
1: it's just the whole like process of like self um, practicing. Uh, my mom has been on my ass to work on my pronunciation and that kind of stuff, which I can get pretty frustrating too. Just to stop make conversations just to improve my
3: what pronunciations. Did, but- what does that look like? Like like so, so. if you if you're not seeing a therapist, like what does the um, do you just have like a a series of exercises that you know you can go through that will, uh, help improve the, the, the ability to pronounce certain um, words and stuff?
1: Not really. Just if I know I'm going into a situation where like, I know I have to talk a lot. Um, I do have to uh, like practice, um, in repetition. Um, a big thing for me is repetition just to go over and over and over what I'm going to say. Um, that's mm. helped me and replace of uh, speech therapy.
3: Did you practice for this at all?
1: Uh, not. I last weekend when I found out that I was going to be on the podcast, I kind of typed up some stuff just to um, figure out what I'm going to talk about and what anticipate some questions that might be asked. Um, but do you find that you
2: use that or do, or does it or is it or is it just the or is it just the preparation itself that helps? Hmm. Um, I, I often find that for it's me. probably
1: the preparation that helps. Um, I don't really look at my notes for like stuff like that, like at least like two, three hours before, or even some days, like, a couple days before, just to yeah. um, not get nervous at all. Yeah. Mm. Do you,
0: Do you find Ryan that uh, that practicing does make a difference? That it actually
1: does have yeah. an impact? Because I I, I right. have noticed that if I don't do the practice, I don't do very well. But when I do practice, like I have noticed a big significant improvement yeah. of my conversation skills.
0: I like, that's um, definitely one of one of the things that I'm um, probably most self-conscious about, about myself is that I, I have like a, a little bit of a, a lisp and um, I know it's not super noticeable. And, um, but I, I went to, I was in like a, a speech therapy thing in school when I was yeah. in grade three and I've, I've just always been kind of hyper aware of it. And I know that if I don't drink enough water or if if my mouth starts to get dry, then it, it really, um, exacerbates like the, or emphasizes the sounds of it. Um, and when I'm, when if we're going to give a keynote talk or something, I definitely get self-conscious about that. And I want to be practicing out loud because I help, I find it helps warm up my, my mouth and my voice for making those sounds. But but the other thing, the reason why I ask is if practice actually does make a difference is because, you know, in my head, I've kind of thought like, you know, I've, I've spoken like this for 30 years of my life um, yeah. or just under that. And, and like, how hard would it be for me to retrain my brain? Like, how often would I have to be practicing to actually yeah. hear a noticeable difference in the way that I'm talking? Like, is yeah. it worth it for me to like even do that? Would it actually yeah. have an effect?
1: I know when I practice, like, I know there's a few words that, like, I know I'm going to have trouble with, so I, like, slowly pronounce those words. Um, and through that practice, or repetition, a um, thing with speech therapy that I always found difficult was they always took me out of class when we there was, like, a fun activity or something fun going on in class that would probably help me to learn the um, information. Well,
3: that's um, fucking That annoyed. was always
1: the frustrating part of, like, we always played games um, in... French class, at least in grade six, because I didn't take French in grade seven, eight, or nine, just because of uh, I've always had trouble with my English. So I took other classes that would help me in those um, situations as well. Um, imagine, so it turns out that,
0: like, imagine it turned out that you actually spoke flawless
1: French. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, in the week six, we had to do yeah. announcements and I had to do French a few times and it did not go very well.
2: It's <laughs> like your R's, your R's in English are are really challenging, but you, yeah. you, you actually roll your French. In French Rs they just, yeah, fall, they just yeah. roll like, perfectly. Exceptionally. Yeah. 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 Um, Ryan, what do you like? What's,
3: what's, what is one of the things that, that, that motivates you today to like, continue because this is this obviously is like a continuous work in progress so like what motivates you to push through day to day
1: um so when I first found out my uncle kind of gave me a little saying that it helps me today and it goes to like um, you can't eat a full elephant at once you kind of have to um, split up into small pieces and by the time you go down to the um, freezer um, and you figure out that you have just one package of um, meat left. Um, that's how you solve all the problems and any issues so that I have, um, right. that kind of thing. So I kind of tried to break things down into smaller pieces. Right. And what? it kind of got me to get the tattoo that I have on my arm um, this past October just to continuously remind me of to break things down into smaller pieces. So
3: What's the tattoo?
1: It's just like an elephant head I'll show you here. It's just this one here. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. No one can
3: see it. It's a severed elephant head with blood uh, just <laughs> streaking down your arm. So your so your uncle your uncle eats elephant meat. That's that's <laughs> interesting. Um He's a big uh, What's that taste like? I, I'm I, dying to know. I have to ask him. You know what though? It's it. That's a really. It is. It's a good analogy. You know. Yeah. It's like it's it's um, that that whole idea of like one step at a time, one yeah. day at a time. You know. It's it's like a slow slow consistent practice and sometimes Um,
1: i do forget about that saying a few times but whoever's with me whether it's my girlfriend or my uncle or family other family they kind of remind me of that saying and just say like think of the elephant and that kind of snaps mm. me snaps me back into thinking more positively so it's always tough like i know a lot of other diagnoses are tough too but it's always you got to be in a positive mindset and positive thinking, too. For sure, yeah. Keep on going and keep on fighting, and continually to improve yourself.
3: Ryan, um, uh, I'm going to ask you a question that we ask most of our yeah. guests. Um, what, what would you say is the biggest thing that your apraxia has taken away from you?
1: Um, I would probably say self confidence um, is the key one. Um, I like struggle with confidence just because I know I struggle with some my communication. Communication is key in pretty much any job that you apply to, or any part of life. Um, so it's always a struggle to have confidence in doing anything um, social-wise, just in the fear of um, people not understanding what you're saying or the constant, constant um, questions that people ask just to repeat what you're saying over and over again. Mm. Um, and the frustration that can add up to not being able to talk in a world that needs Communication and good communication.
3: What would you say is the biggest thing that your apraxia has given you?
1: Um, I would say probably understanding. Um, just the whole understanding of other people who are coming into the country or other people who are having trouble um, speaking English. I kind of have this sim- mm. sympathy to understand what they're going through since I've gone through it pretty much my whole life. Mm. Um, I know some people get frustrated with people who don't speak English or come here and don't speak an ounce of English, um whereas I kind of understand where they're coming from. Because I know English is kind of a difficult language to learn, to speak, um just because there's so many different meanings for certain words or like the phrases don't sometimes make sense. Mm. So
2: That's a really interesting yeah. perspective. Mm. It
3: is. Yeah, it's a really unique one. Yeah. Uh something that you know, we oftentimes hear people express how their illness has given them this ability to um, to, to empathize with others who are struggling. But uh, what, a, what a very, like, specific way uh-huh. of looking at it in your case. And, and
1: when I reply to this um, whole being on this podcast, I've probably thought about that, um, just like what I would say, like, how do I, like, approach life and how I approach other perspectives of, what I've gone through and how I apply that to meeting new people or seeing other people. Um, it's just kind of like the whole thought and self-reflection is kind of helping me to, um, approach life now just to improve and whatnot. So
3: cool. That's well, it. Ryan, I, I want to say thanks, man. Thanks for calling us all the way from Jolly old London <laughs> Thank to, you. Uh, to London. talk to us about apraxia and to teach us, uh, yeah about something that we haven't touched on on, on the podcast yeah. before and uh um uh you know I feel like I learned a lot and uh mm-hmm. it's been it's been really fun to to shoot the shit with you man.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to meet you all. I wish I was in person. I was kind of looking forward to yeah. seeing all well, you guys but
3: once once the once shit lifts up we'll be uh we'll be hitting Ontario uh soon enough. It's one of our homes away from home. So yeah. we'll we'll meet one day for sure. Awesome. Um Uh, and thank you. Thank you again. And, uh, and thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, listen, we will be back next week with another wonderful conversation. Um, but in the meantime, you could do us a huge favor by just going over to Apple podcasts and leaving a, uh, Preferably a five star review. That'd be great. Doesn't and have to uh, be, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, but it w- if you liked what you heard, then that would be great. And and you can also uh, hit the subscribe button uh, because that uh, that's really important for us too. Hmm. And uh, you can support the podcast in other ways.
2: Yeah. Right after you uh, you subscribe and rate and review, head on over to Patreon.com/sickboy. And uh, I mean that that our Patreon is popping off right now. We are just it's the 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 you know Patreon Patreon lockdown quarantine uh, mode is uh, straight fire. It's fucking hot. As the kids fire, are dude. saying, and hot, it's hot lit fire. AF. So if you want to get fired up, then go to patreon.com slash sickboy.
0: And uh, thanks as always to uh Donovan <laughs> the CPAP Morgan for the amazing sound design on this podcast. Uh, speaking of the straight fire that is going on on Patreon. Uh, hmm. Donovan, didn't you uh, didn't you just finish mixing that new Patreon jingle for us? Oh um, yeah, I, I I can't remember. I you guys heard it right? It sounds like it sounds like this.
2: I like the flames. I like the flaming, mm-hmm. the, the, the shooting flame sound. Yeah, Literally and I, liked, I, liked,
3: I really enjoyed the, uh, the, 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 the screams of terror as the flames were closing mm-hmm. in. That I, was really I really enjoyed intense. the
0: 808 that was hitting underneath all of that. So that
2: uh, yeah, it really yeah, encapsulates what it's like to be a patron of Sick mm-hmm. Boy.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just full of terror and hot beats. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that is it for this week. <laughs> I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Ryan. And this is Sick Boy.